I was punishing myself for having abilities because it almost destroyed my, my life that I had built, my children's lives, my husband's life. It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Welcome to episode 25 of The Ted Huff Show. Our guest today is psychic medium Danny Lynn. The love of dogs saved her life from cancer, then validating her psychic medium abilities threatened life as she knew it. In this episode, you will learn how she kept fighting for her best life, how she rediscovered herself, and how you can too. Hey, Danny, I really appreciate you coming over today. Uh, I know we had a brief chat yesterday just to kind of prepare for all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really appreciate you taking the time to come over. What I want to do um, is is kind of help everybody understand um, who you are and a couple of the experiences that you've had throughout your life that have brought to brought you to where you are today. Number one, like my early child childhood was very free because I had the run of the trailer court. You know what I mean? Um, our first trailer up until I was nine was um, it was it was difficult to live in because it was cold. There was no insulation. The pipes would freeze in the winter. You know everything, mm-hmm. um, but there there was something very free about being there because I had the whole run of the trailer court. I knew when to come home because the lights would come on. Um, and that's when it was time to come home, check in at lunch. Um, I had woods behind my house and kind of like a small river it's called Otter Creek right behind my house. So I was ca- catching turtles. I was like the consummate tomboy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I had these little this woods to run through and I was was able to go fishing down by the sewer treatment plant that was right next to me. Hey, you'd be amazed at how big the fish grow when yeah, they have, have that man, much those nutrients. Those channel cat were huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and you know, and I had a dog, like my dog Yeller. He was like my best friend. I got him for my, my 11th birthday. And I just ran with that dog, never had a leash. He was just, I was like Timmy and Lassie. It was ridiculous. Um, but growing up there was great. Because you don't realize that you don't have a lot, you know. Then later on, the, my my stepdad made some good money, and we weren't on welfare anymore, and all that fun stuff. And so we were able to graduate to a nicer trailer. It was like, ooh, moving on up, you know. Um, so but you it, you mentioned stepdad. Having stepdad means that there was one before. Yeah, yeah. So what what was what was your relationship like with? With your biological father? Um, there was none. Um, I was two. So I was the baby that was supposed to serve, to save the marriage. Okay. You know, um, I think there was some hope on my mother's side of like, well, if I have a baby, he'll stick around because, you know, he was kind of stepping out on her and not coming home. And um, he, he was a violent husband, you know, those kinds of things. You know, and he did visit up until I was two, and then he just disappeared, like literally off the map. I think the state of Iowa almost declared him dead. 
because oh, wow. like gone for seven years, they could not find him. And they wanted to find him because we're on welfare and there was no child support being had. So the state of Iowa is definitely looking for the guy. Um, but, <laughs> Trying to make know. back some of that tax money. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, growing up, I didn't, I remember thinking that, you know, when food stamps used to come in the pack, that that's what money looked like. I thought that's what money was. Until I got older, mom's like, no, these are dollar bills. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, you just don't know until you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my stepdad got into, and he's not my stepdad, he's my dad. You know, okay. he, he adopted me. <clears throat> they were together for nine years. So he, I was two when they moved in together. And he was my dad. Uh, my mom never told me to call him dad. She would always say, go talk, go ask Gordy. But I called him dad. And right. it wasn't until I was like, I think five. And I'm like, how come we don't have the same last name? And they're like, well, we're not married. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, then. And then it was like, well, wait a minute. He's not my dad. No, honey. You have a dad. This is your stepdad, Gordy. And they didn't get married till I was nine. But I remember when my dad finally asked her to marry him. I remember waking up in the morning and mom was so happy and dad was happy and I got up on his lap and he said, so would it be okay if I married your mom? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah. And yeah. then he goes, and would it be okay if I adopted you? Oh, wow. Yeah. I and mean, he was great. And like, never had a crossword. If he cussed, you knew you were in trouble. I was very, very lucky growing up that I did have an amazing dad obviously that's not the same place you are today when did you start to realize that you have the psychic and mediumship abilities okay the very first memory i have is being in the trailer court walking up the hill so i had to have been like nine or ten because i was going all the way up the hill um and i remember seeing like is, I don't know how to explain it. It was like this oval of clear bubbles standing next to my trailer. And I was coming home from playing, and I was like, what is this? And um, I was just watching it as I was walking up, and I couldn't, you know, my mind as a nine-year-old, I have no idea what I'm seeing. And so I remember walking into my mom's house, and I'm like, hey, Mom, I can see air. <laughs> She goes, what? I can see air. I can see air. And she says, what? What are you talking about? I said, yeah, I could see air. Like, I saw, like, thing, and I could see the air. And she's like, Danny, people can't see air. Come eat your lunch. You know, and that was the end of the conversation. But then looking back, I'm like, I think my abilities were trying to let me see. Honestly, I think it was probably a spirit, now that I look back on it. And it wasn't until I was older... Like, after getting married, when we started looking to buy houses. When we went into this one Victorian house, it was beautiful. Um, it even had, like, like a butler's kitchen, and it had the meat hooks hanging from the ceilings. It was very, like, a little scary, honestly, when you grow up watching horror movies. But then we went upstairs. I'm in the hallway. My realtor friend stepped into the master bedroom, and all of a sudden I hear, Hey! Is a guy's voice. Like, literally audibly heard it. And I was like, who's in the house? 
she goes, what? What are you talking about? I said, someone just yelled, hey. But it sounded like it was coming down in the kitchen. And she goes, Danny, nobody said anything. I said, you didn't hear that. She's like, no. And then I'm sitting there like, something's wrong. Like, something's weird. And then all of a sudden, I get, hey, like right next to my ear. And I jumped 10 feet and screamed. And she's just like, what is going on? I said, someone just screamed, hey, in my ear. She goes, we're out of here. <laughs> we ran out the building. So it was during this time when I realized, like, oh, wow, things are ramping up. You and I were talking about the story of the breast cancer thing. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you know, they struggle to to get through it, to understand it. Your survivor mm-hmm. kind of walked us through um, how that event in your life mm-hmm. changed everything. I, I don't think you can um, ever hear the word cancer attributed to you and not have it completely change everything that you are. How did you find, how did you, how did did you find out? I mean, how did you, what what was like most, most women will, will go through and, and have the, the mammograms and all that fun stuff done. I was 28, 29 years old, 28 when I first found my lump. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was in my right breast, and it was at the top area, so the top part, and it was very easily found and felt. So I went to my doctor, went to my OB-GYN. I would go in, and I'm like, listen, I have a lump. I want to be checked out. So then they're like, uh, you're 28. It's not cancer. It's probably a fibroid. You have, you have a history of fibroids. Go home. So I'm like, okay. So I cut down on my caffeine, did all everything I was supposed to do, went back uh, six months later, still there bigger. I went home and cried and I gave up for about a year and a half and I still had that lump. It was not going away. You'd mentioned that it actually became visible. Oh yeah. At some point. In the mirror you could see this lump visibly protruding out of my chest and I'm like this is not okay but I had been so defeated by the medical um, system that I'm like, nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody cares. Right. And so I was so defeated that I refused to go back. And so until I got a dog. So I get this dog, and he was five and a half month old, Great Dane, Harlequin, one blue eye, one brown, gorgeous. His name was Kai, and I loved him. He was my son. And puppy boot camp started right away. So the day that I got him, it was training, healing, sitting, staying, you know, and within a week of having this dog, he was listening to every command I had, except for he was obsessed with my boobs. He, <laughs> he would rip my shirts. He would like stick his head down my shirts, like basically motorboating me. And I'm like, what the hell? And I would push him and he's 75 pounds of puppy. And I would try to push him away. And I was 105 pounds of woman. And he just kept coming back and no matter how much I yelled or whatever, he would just not listen to me. And he didn't do it to anybody else. So my sister-in-law came over cause it had been three weeks since I got the puppy and she hadn't seen him yet. So she's like, Hey, I want to come see the puppy. So she comes over and she had just gotten done with her cancer treatments at age 30 as an Asian woman, wow. unheard of, unheard of, right? Something in the water, something in the water. <laughs> so, um, 
she's seeing the puppy and she knows how I train and she sees him doing these things to me and she's and she sees him actively ripping my shirt. I had gone through six of them. And she's like, what is he doing? I said, I don't know, man. I think he's just a boob guy. And she's like, oh, no, what? No, he's not doing it to me. And I said, no, he only does it to me. And she goes, you still have that lump. I said, yeah. And I, you know, kind of started crying a little bit. I said, nobody will help me. Nobody will listen to me. I told her what was going on. She goes, no, she had her doctor on speed dial. She's like, you're going to my doctor. So she had me call her right then and there. I went in and within a week I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer, HER2, NEU positive. The universe basically was saying, we can't let this happen to you, so we're going to send somebody to remind you that you still have to fight. And they brought it to me in the shape of a dog and my sister-in-law to interpret. That was the beginning of that journey. I went through cancer. Tom was the perfect Husband. Now, 85% of marriages end when the woman goes through cancer treatment. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, most men can't. But when you're going through cancer, you go through lots of different emotional things. You're on steroids, which makes you evil. You, you know, I put that man through the ringer. I was not a happy cancer patient. Like you see him on TV and I'm like, yeah, that's cute. That's not real. That's not what women go through. Um, I had every side effect that you could get from chemotherapy. Tom was my hero. How did you keep or did you keep a positive mindset of this is only temporary? Because I knew it was temporary. So here's the thing is like I knew, okay, I was 85% curable, but I had the rest of that percent. I could die. Right. You know what I mean? Like. And they're like, oh. How did, you keep, how did you keep from going into that 15%? I had two little girls to raise. I love my husband. He's a wonderful father. But I couldn't leave two little girls behind with no mother. That was the only thing that kept me going. So you saying, and, and I, I'm really surprised by the statistic of, mm-hmm. of how many marriages end mm-hmm. with cancer. Yeah. Was it smooth sailing? How did that cancer impact? I mean, I mean, I, I, other than the medical side, other than the caretaker piece kicking in, how did that impact your, your overall relationships? Oh, hugely. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm trying not to laugh when I say this, right. but a lot of people will say, well, you're psychic. You knew it should have happened. Right. What are some things that... Oh, I did. So... Um, <laughs> oh, so, I did. Oh, I did. And <laughs> I was driving Tom nuts because after my treatments, you know, everybody's going through their emotional turmoil in the aftermath. And I was, you know, dealing with depression and everything. But I literally had dreams that my husband was going to leave me. We had no reason to think so in our daily life. We were fighting, you know all of these things, but I would have dreams that my husband was going to leave me. And then there's a song that came out called, um, just give me a reason by pink. And so this, I'm a very musically inclined person. And so when I heard the song, I'm like, my God, this is it. This is us. This is what's happening. My husband's like, what What are you talking about? We're fine. And then as the year progressed, um, Tom went through his, his own emotional thing and, through all of this, so all of this is like a big hot mess. 
cancer's over. I'm going like, what do you mean it's over? You're not going to check me? And I'm freaking out and afraid cancer's going to come back. My husband's like, wow, that sucked. Like, he's now out of survival mode. And now he's dealing with all the ramifications of the fact that his wife went through this and he went through this and our family went through this. And then all of a sudden, my dead grandmother tells me to call my mother. When your dead grandmother. My dead grandmother. Yes. Did you think you were going crazy? I did. I thought, well, I did, but I didn't. So that was why I was so confused. I am in Iowa in my garage smoking a cigarette because that's what I do. All of a sudden I get this voice in my head and it's like my own voice that is saying, call your mother. Now, I'm very confused because I just talked to my mom the day before and I talked to my mom like every two to three days. So... Why I would be thinking I needed to call my mother didn't make sense to me. So this is happening in my own inner voice. But I'm arguing with it. I'm like, why do I have to call my mother? I just talked to her yesterday. And then it became louder. Call your mother. Call your mother. Call your mother. And incessant. And then all of a sudden my heart starts racing. And I'm like going into almost like a panic attack, an anxiety attack. And I'm like, oh my God, why do I need to call? I don't need to call my mother. I don't need it. And then finally it was like, call your mother. And I said, fine, I'll call my mother. And I ran into the house and got my cell phone and I called my mother who lived in Idaho. I'm in Iowa. She's in Idaho. I call and I hear, hello. And I'm like, No, my mother is not a soft-spoken person. (laughs) And I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing's wrong. It's mom, what's wrong? And then I get this picture of my grandmother, who I had never met. She died at age 42 before I was born. I got a picture of her in my head, and I'm like, oh, now I know who this is from. And then my mom goes, well, why do you think something's wrong? And I said, because your dead mother is in my head telling me that I need to call you what's wrong. And then she starts crying and come to find out that uh, she was on the way to the ER. And what we come to find out even later is that she had diverticulitis and uh, a mass in her uterus that was pushing against it and her intestines exploded. Oh, my. And uh, she became septic, and she lived with this for three days until the surgery for her mask that she had already had planned. And then they opened her up, and we almost lost her. And so that was my grandmother saying, you got to go take care of your mother, because this can't happen. Your husband's reaction to something so clear, so... Because you, you, you mentioned he's, he's very... Linear. Very linear, yeah. very scientific, mm-hmm. touch it, feel it, yeah. it's real, but if I can't touch it, can't feel it, can't prove that it's there, yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah. He's not as much like that anymore. But, no, he's better, but, but he's still, <laughs> he's still Tom. Um, yeah. It was very difficult for him because I went to a therapist and said, listen, I'm crazy. And he t- said, no, you're not crazy. You're psychic. So I was like, a therapist told you that a therapist told me that. Okay. I was like a amazed. board-certified therapist. Board-certified, 30-year career therapist. And so I'm like, okay. And I told the therapist, can you give me a little card and laminate that, <laughs> saying I'm certifiably not crazy because nobody's going to believe me. Like, my mom believed me, but she was the only person on the planet. Um, Tom, he's like, okay. And he acted like he was fine. But. He tried to be fine. He was not fine. 
He was not okay. How did he deal with that? He acted out. He, um, I feel like it was like an existential crisis that he had of everything that he thought was real isn't and everything that he thought was fake might possibly be real. And um, basically he was trying to sabotage our marriage without knowing that that's what he wanted. Uh, Tom, as a human being, would never allow himself to acknowledge emotions, feelings. When I would ask him, how are you feeling about things? He would literally, I don't know. And he was telling the truth. He was not lying. He wasn't trying to keep it from me. He literally had no clue. He had no names for what he was feeling. The way you present yourself to the world and the universe is all based on how you feel. Well, and the emotion is is how you process. How you process. Process what is going on in the world around you. Mm -hmm. I could see how the inability to process an emotion could cause temporary amnesia. Totally. Because if you can't process and you don't understand how to feel it, Mm -hmm. then there's no way, because our memories are based upon emotions Mm -hmm. and feelings Mm -hmm. along with a point in time Mm -hmm. and event. Look at trauma patients. Rape victims, military people, they're dealing with things that they cannot process. Their mind literally shuts down and says, I choose not to remember this because I cannot deal with this. How did your gift Mm -hmm. help you guys get through that? Tom saw me do what I do and it was like this, you're not lying. You're not crazy. You're actually doing this. I'm like, yeah. He's like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) So that was part of, okay, now I understand that this is real. Then he went into his own crisis of, what do I want in life? If this is real, am am I wasting my time? Through all this cancer, all of this adversity, all of these things, me finding out I'm psychic and I'm not crazy somehow, I was still depending on Tom to save me. I was still expecting him to make me happy. He was doing things and he was making me unhappy. I was leaving it up to him to fix it. But the big epiphany for me was that it's not his job to fix this. I make my own decisions. I don't have to be a midwife or a Midwestern wife and stand by my man and hopefully he keeps me. I I'm responsible for my happiness and no one else's, not my husband, not my children, not my friends, not my family. I am. Once I realized that, I said, hey, you know what? I don't want that divorce I thought I wanted. I'm moving to Arizona. Wait, divorce? I went to lawyers because he wasn't doing the work. We were going to family counseling. We were doing couples therapy and he, you know, we had assignments. And and for you, you felt like he still isn't. He wasn't in it. We had assignments that we had to do. And his assignment was to send me an email every other day to tell me how he was feeling, what he did with his day, blah, blah, blah. Because I had kicked him out. He was living with his mom. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was done because I'm. Itch. You don't. <laughs> you do not break my heart and live with me. Out. See you later. And until you want, you show me you want to be in this marriage. I'm not doing this. 
when I realized that I was responsible for my happiness, I had been staying in Iowa for him. So and how did you end up in Arizona? So I went to like the spiritual retreat and it was beautiful. And I fell in love with Sedona, fell in love with Arizona. I had been staying in Iowa because Tom said that this is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just said, you know what? I don't want a divorce. What I want to do is take care of me. I love you. I don't want to divorce you. I still love you even after you've done these things. But you have a choice to make for your life. And I have a choice to make for my life. I am moving to Arizona and I am taking the girls. You are welcome to come with us. But you get to choose. I'm done living my life according to what I'm supposed to do. Cancer took my power away. Explain that. You're just, every every decision that a doctor makes for you, you know, okay, so I had to fight to even get diagnosed. I had to fight to get not just a lumpectomy, but I had to fight to get a, a, a full mastectomy on that side. I've had to fight just to have a say in my own life. So I decided I'm moving to Arizona. I need sun all year round. This is what is going to make me healthy happy and a better mother instead of being depressed for six months out of the year. I started looking for houses to rent and he's like, you're serious. I'm like, this isn't a threat. This is a decision. So then uh, he got the okay to work remotely and he moved to Arizona with us. So it had to be him choosing for himself. What do you want in your life? So now you're in Arizona. Now we're in Arizona. We, We moved here five years ago, almost five. And I was running away from my success. My abilities almost destroyed my marriage. I moved to Arizona. I shut it down. And it wasn't until just recently, like literally two weeks ago, that I realized I was punishing myself for having abilities because it almost destroyed my, my life that I had built my children's lives, my husband's life. And it wasn't until I went to Sedona this last couple weeks ago that I had this epiphany. I'm not mad anymore. I've forgiven him. I've forgiven myself. And my guide said, now you need to forgive your abilities. You need to forgive us. Give the audience that's listening or watching three things that they can use to have a more successful, more fulfilling business life or relationship. Mm. You can't doubt yourself. Number one, you have to understand that if you have a calling, if you have a passion for something, and it doesn't have to be about abilities, anything in business or just personally, It's good to be introspective. It's good to know why you feel things and know why you think things. And it's always good to say, like, well, am I handling this the best way? Good for you. Great. But never doubt who you are. And don't let anybody else bring doubt into your head about yourself. And it's really important for you to believe in yourself that you would not lie to yourself. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so the first one you're talking about is 
Just don't don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. You know what you're meant for. You know what you're supposed to do. You just have to find the way through the obstacles to get it done. All right, we got one down. Okay, there's one. <laughs> Two, get out of your own way. You've got to get out of your own way. Get out of your own head. Stop believing the lives. Stop believing these things and quit sabotaging yourself because that's what I've been doing, sabotaging myself by not believing in myself and wanting to punish myself for not being good enough, perfect enough, or not being the human being that you think you should be. First one was stop doubting yourself. Yes. And after you've stopped doubting yourself... Get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Start doing the things you know you need to do. Yes. Even if it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what are we looking at for the third one? Enjoy the moment. So, like, oh, totally not the one I thought you were going to go with. Really? Go, go okay, ahead, well, go. you can tell me what no, you think later. You finish. But so you got to enjoy the moment because instead of always reaching and reaching and reaching, just concentrate on this. Everything is going to come to you in the time that it, it, it is supposed to. Everybody's in such a hurry. Well, I've got this deadline and I have to do this. And I, oh, I can't, I can't go without a job until this happens. It's like, you know what? Calm down. Keep looking. Do the work. But everything is going to happen exactly the way it's supposed to, whether you like it or not. So enjoy the moment. Be in that. Savor this so that you're not always, it's good to strive for more. It's always good to keep an eye out. But if you're constantly not appreciating this, this won't manifest. So what what did you think I was going to go to? I thought you were going to go into, <laughs> and this is my cheesy part, it's like, trust your intuition. Well, and that is everything. If you, And that's kind of what I said. It's like the universe is going to make it happen if it's meant to be, whether you like it or not. Right. So it is kind of like trust the intuition. Be in that moment. Feel what you feel. Grasp those opportunities. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Because you can destroy anything beautiful by overthinking it. What is the best way? I mean, obviously, you, you've talked about doing one-on-one -on -one readings. You've mm -hmm. talked about doing group readings. Mm -hmm. You've talked about life readings. Mm -hmm. You've talked about a bunch of these different things. Mm -hmm. Where can they go to find out where your tours are at or where you're going to be having an event or if they want to book you directly, where can they go to do that? So for direct bookings for like an in-person reading, if you're in Arizona or if you want a phone reading and that's anywhere in the United States, um, I've even read for somebody in Guam. I'm like up at three in the morning. Hey, how you doing? I'm ready. Okay, it's fine. Um, so... That, you can just go to my website. It's dannylynnpsychicmedium.com. That's all that okay. is. Um, I know it's a lot of spelling and it's a lot of words, but... I will put it in the show notes. It'll be easy for them to find. Okay. dannylynnpsychicmedium.com. I also have a Facebook page, and that's where I post all my events. That's just Danny Lynn Psychic Medium. You can find me on Facebook there. Uh, search for me there. Um, leave my personal page the part that doesn't have the psychic medium don't join that you don't want to see that that's, <laughs> that's my private where i get to be real this is my professional this is where i'm going to be at this is where i do sometimes i do uh, facebook you, you know now everybody's going to go look at the personal they can go look at it they just can't get <laughs> mad at it <laughs> you know what i'm saying um but you know just don't try to friend me because if i don't know you and i don't interact with you in my personal life i'm not going to add you please 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 i encourage you 
you to go to my business page because that's where I can you can get all the information about my shows and what I'm doing and I even talk about my kids on there sometimes so if you want to follow my kids cool but that's where you can go well Danny I really appreciate you coming by thank you um, we've talked about doing this for some time and just glad we finally got everything together I'm just excited you asked me I'm like yeah man I'll come be on your show it'll be great Thanks again. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on the Ted Huff Show.